Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 123, hopefully, of the EDPHD team podcast with myself and Anna. Hi Anna, how are you? Hello, I am okay, just decompressing. How are you? (laughs) I'm swell, thank you. I haven't just been in a room full of strangers talking about my feelings, so I'm great. (laughs) Yeah, so much fun. So good. Mm. Uh, You're doing this for your course, right? We should probably put that disclaimer out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sort of like... I don't know. Which group therapy? Um, how are you, Becca? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm tired this week. I climbed uh, Ireland's highest mountain on one day, and I'm literally still recovering. So taking a lot. It beautiful. <laughs> it's like it's Thursday, and I'm still sore. Like that's, <laughs> that's not okay. How high was it, or how long did it take? Um, it took about six, seven hours. Whoa. I've done it before but oh, it was it was much harder this time I was like wow I better get on my cardio fitness buzz but I think that's when you notice you're unfit right when you try to do like social things like that and you're like oh jeez <laughs> I just I've stopped hiking therefore don't have to accept the fact that I'm currently really unfit it's great <laughs> um but it did look beautiful yeah it looked incredible I well, I'm well. I've got nothing to report other than my brain is seemingly not quite there. But it feels like it's been there all day. So I feel like it's just switched off with the pod. So that'll be interesting. Um, and we move. Um, Anna, do you want to go first with the questions? Yeah, sure. Um, any advice on dealing with impatience in your journey? I think this stems from years of short fad diets and not having a defined end date to work towards. When lifelong habit building is the aim, how do you manage periods of feeling impatient with the process? Um, it's, it's, it's a hard shift, right, from going from having a diet end to it being like a process. I think you need to focus less on the process and more on enjoying your life. Not that you shouldn't be putting the energy into the process at all, But the point of all of the work that we do is so that you can enjoy your life and get more from your life and live a more fruitful, healthful life. And so rather than thinking about what is the end point with this, don't even think about that. Just think about what am I doing this week? What's my priority this week? Not what is the end goal? And then at the same time, focus on living your best life because that is what your whole life is going to be. You're ne- like what we want for you is to never have to have an end goal again. Yes, you might die at some point again, but that's certainly not what I'm saying. But you are never going to have to constantly be on or off a wagon for the rest of your life. So start getting used to that now and like focusing on other things. Yeah, not much else to add. I think it's coming away from the extremity of 
where you probably once were and making it more of a neutral kind of place um and that could be a hard adjustment because you think you're not doing enough when it's not extreme like you're used to so yeah giving yourself a chance to feel the difference and it's so cliche but enjoying the process of it too is is super important yeah I think that's the thing and I was speaking to Emma about this in relation to business a while ago and I might have said this on the podcast before but we were talking about like making mistakes and like learning in business and and we were like that one of the best things about running a business is making these mistakes and learning and doing new things and trying new things and failing at some things and trying other things and that is where we get a lot of the joy as business owners even if you don't necessarily feel the joy at the time and the same thing can be said for your relationship with food is that this is a it's supposed to be quite fun some of it will be really hard of course some of this is really hard but the the point is that you can enjoy the process whilst you're doing it so I never use the phrase lighten up. I think I used it in an email once because I trust everyone on my email list to understand my tone. I wouldn't necessarily put it on Facebook or Instagram, um, but I can put it on a pod because again, I trust everyone that listens to the pod. Um, but sometimes it is kind of about almost lightening up a little bit and just kind of enjoying the ride. I'm just going to add, and I'm not saying this is the case with this client by any means. She's definitely saying this is the case with you. No, no, no. <laughs> let's, let's just be clear. Not at all. But I think sometimes people can get impatient when they're working through something that they really, it's causing a lot of discomfort and you just want to get through it. Whereas really it's okay, well, let's, explore this a little bit more why am I finding this so hard like you said it's going through years of habits and beliefs that you've built okay so maybe be a bit more compassionate towards yourself mm, absolutely that and also that whoever asked this question she definitely wasn't saying that about you I was just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. um yeah and do you know what we're in a society of one instant gratification and this is this is not you this is everyone we all want instant gratification. We all want quick fixes and we all want things right now. And even things like, even if you look at social media algorithms, right? Story, eh, not stories, reels, TikToks, et cetera, the ones they say successful are like five seconds long. We don't even like a minute anymore. We're like, well, this is too long. Skip, skip, skip. We all want something instantaneous, but I just think a lot of joy can be lost from life if we don't just slow down and just be where we are watch the one minute tiktok videos or whatever it may be but just slowing down uh, okay change of pace so do do you have any feel good or enlightening books you would recommend mm. what kind of what kind of books did you say feel good what feel good or enlightening Oh, okay. well, right now I'm reading The Beekeeper of Aleppo. And let me tell you, that is not feel good or enlightening. <laughs> I was going to say, I've not read it, but I remember friends being like, no. I didn't know what to expect, but it's, it's uh, free on Audible right now. And it's really long. So I thought I've got a lot of long car journeys, so I'll stick that on. And my word, that is that is intense. So that's not feel good or enlightening. So I should probably take that one back. Eat, pray, love. Love that. If you've not seen the film, then I recommend the book. That's feel good and enlightening, I think. Elizabeth Gilbert, anything she writes is generally really great. 
um feel good or enlightening what else have we got attached is always enlightening it's not not so much feel good it's quite enlightening or attacking like which one (laughs) we can be enlightened and attacked at the same time that's fine definitely eye-opening that one yeah yeah we're still all recovering from that one (laughs) um everything is fucked by mark manson i should probably remember to put a disclaimer on this podcast everything is fucked by mark manson is is really good it's enlightening it's quite feel good but in a the totally opposite of feel good way it's kind of like well everything's fucked anyway so oh. which is quite, I quite like it yeah mm. what else I found the happiness trap kind of feel good and enlightening <laughs> it was like just a nice little read oh I don't know if I've read that Ross Harris I think it was definitely heard of it I think um, I would say follow Ed on Instagram. Ed's Instagram is a need to read and he shares great books all the time about all different genres and he's also a really nice person. So everyone should follow him and get good book recommendations from him. A lot of the ones I've had have come from him. Also, The Midnight Library, I think, is free or audible right now. That was so good. So everyone should get on that. I read that on the plane to Dubai and then I was like, well, that was my holiday book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I loved um, Broken Open. It's quite heavy. Mm. I think you learn a lot about yourself through reading it. Such a good book. It just, it's like the ultimate reframe book, isn't it? The whole mm. like, concept of the book is like one giant reframe. Loved that book. Oh, well, I think there's quite a, a good selection there. So go wild, enjoy yourself. Um, okay. Steph's question. My husband had great timing the other day when he walked into the kitchen and heard Amelia saying, men don't respond to nagging. I'm surprised <laughs> I said that about myself. Um, okay, so the question is, there appears to be a lot of referencing to perfectionism. Where does it come from and why do we do it? I realise this is a huge question, but I'm interested to have just a little insight. Thank you. That is a huge question. <laughs> Where does it come from? It's like societal standards. It's like very deep rooted kind of, yeah, like the expectations we put on ourselves based on what we think we should be doing, what we see being portrayed online, which is often unrealistic standards, etc. Um, yeah, what do you think? Where, where does it come from? So I'm actually writing a bit on perfectionism for various things and I was doing some listening to it recently and the person that I was listening to said that the root of all perfectionism is trying to fix some sort of defect in some way. Mm. We all develop perfectionism basically as a means to ultimately feel enough in some way, shape or form. Mm. That's where it's rooted in. What that looks like for each person is going to be so different. Um, And I think often we use perfectionism as a way to kind of drive us as if we think that it's going to like push us forwards and help us achieve more. But actually all the research actually now suggests that it does the opposite. And 
it holds us back. And I think this is the thing, like similar to imposter syndrome, I've started to get, especially at, not so much as a coach, but as a mentor, I've started to get more compassionately fierce with the perfectionist side of things of being like, you are choosing to, to hold your soul here. You are choosing to let this narrative stop you from achieving something it's it's not an easy mindset to get out of by any means and I certainly am and have been a perfectionist in the past I don't say I am now because I don't think that that's a helpful narrative to Mm. have um but it does come from this idea that like we are trying to repair something um what was really interesting was I was looking at some of the research around it for business stuff and there was this meta-analysis done which is like when they take lots of bits of research that have been published, put them all together, and then they run statistics on the research that we have. So they're really, really good forms of research. And it looked at perfectionist, perfectionism through school and in work. And it, at school, unsurprisingly, perfectionists tend to, sc- to score better in school. But when it gets into the workplace and in business, actually perfectionists tend to perform worse. And it might be because they're more likely to experience burnout because we constantly want to do more and more. It might be because we are scared to be creative or scared to put ourselves into situations where we think that we might fail. So we kind of self-handicap. We don't even go for things because why would we want to go for something if we don't, because we don't want to fail because we're perfectionists, right? So I think it's hold a lot of people back, but as soon as you can accept the fact that it's not helping you, and really get on board with the fact that it's not helping you with your diet, with your business. Only then I think, can you kind of let it go? But like, we know that trying to be perfect with your diet is one of the worst things you can possibly do. And I think, I don't know what you guys think about this, but in my experience over the last five years, we've we've sort of moved away from that as a whole. We are starting to understand that perfectionism with your diet is not good, but I don't think we've let go of perfectionism with your body yet. I still think that there's a lot of perfectionism around trying to find not necessarily the perfect body in the world, but what you think for yourself is your perfect body. And I don't think that we've got quite got comfortable with letting that go. Our body's still the first go-to in terms of if I make my body perfect, then I'll, then I'll feel enough in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I think just off the back of what you were saying obviously with the kind of underlying feeling of not being good enough or not being enough in in some way and it's something that um I've been exploring with clients is we might be aware of these limiting beliefs but often these these feelings are like conditions of worth and exploring where that they where they've stemmed from because normally it's childhood adolescence feeling or wanting to feel loved valued accepted in some way um so it can be quite helpful exploring those and then working through them to help perfectionism and feeling good enough love a condition of worth not looked at that for a while (laughs) can you tell what i've been doing (laughs) but yeah but it's it's if for people that don't know, can you explain con- what con- like what we mean when we say condition of worth? So, I'm not going to use my <laughs> myself in this example, but it's it's um, what would I say? So, growing up, 
even though my parents never told me they needed me to get straight A's, because I had an older sister that did really well at school, I then had the belief that in order to be, would I say loved or valuable, I needed to be good at school. I needed to get these grades at school. And obviously that's then led me to think if I didn't reach that, then I wasn't good enough and to constantly strive and, and be that perfectionist. That was a exact. That was a exact example. That was a great example. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not you. And a lot of reflection and inner work. <laughs> it's it, it's. Do you know what I think? It can be really helpful, insightful, and is your choice and not yours, your plural choice and partners. Often, I think that if you decide that your role in your family is a certain role, and you think that that you that is your worth is being that that person in your family you will often find a partner where you can play that role in your relationship which is not ideal. I can hear the whispers of fixer like. <laughs> I'm trying to not say the word I'm just like brushing around it um uh, yeah so if if you've been someone who thinks that you maybe are that role in your family is to make people happy or to fix things or whatever it is then you may well date people or be in a relationship with people that you think that that is your role with them also again I think that's just a random example off the top of my head um okay this is power right (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly um okay next question Anna I think it's you right yeah um okay apologies if this is TMI and you don't want to share I'm really trying to be mindful of how I can help protect the planet and just wondered if you had any experience or advice with menstrual cups and or period pants. It just feels like such a big thing. Never TMI when it comes to periods. <laughs> Never. I'm all about talking about periods. Um, I use a menstrual cup and I, I like it. I think... It's quite transformative if you're who gems and someone who exercises and stuff because like the tampons, you have to change them quite regularly. With a menstrual cup, you can generally put it in the morning and then it stays all the way until nighttime, no matter what you do. Um, and you can just change it in the shower. Like the first time you get it, it's quite like you make a mess. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to skirt around the bush. Um, skirt around the bush, skirt around the... Feet around the bush. Feet around the bush. <laughs> Feet or skirt around the bush. I mean, either would be fine. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> um, not going to be around the bush. It can be quite messy, but once you once you've done it for like the first month, it's fine and it's genuinely transformative. I would I would probably never go back to tampons or anything now because I I feel like it's good for the environment, and I don't do everything that I should do for the environment. I fly a lot, so like, what can I actually do? I can eat less meat and dairy, and I can use a menstrual cup and I can recycle and find my plastic bags and um I've never tried period pants but I've thought about them the idea of them gave me gave me made me feel a bit gross and I don't know why and then I was listening to a random podcast I think it had um Vicky oh I can't remember her surname she used to be a reality star Vicky Pattinson Pattinson oh yeah I don't, I don't know what podcast she was on but she was talking about it and she says period she was talking about period pants she said they're great so I, I, I hear very good things about them. 
Can you please tell me what a period pants is? I've never heard of it. Have you not? No. Ment- like a menstrual cup, yes, I understand the concept. <laughs> but period pants. It's like, it's, I, think, I guess there's one way to say it. it's kind of like an appy, but it's not. It's like they're nice. No, but, but honestly, so I have tried them mm-hmm. and quite rate them. I, I had to get past the idea. I'm not gonna lie, initially I was like, this is gross, it's gonna be gross. But genuinely, if you get ones from so I tried Wooker, I think that's how you say it. But yeah. Um, rather than just normal like shopping brand, I think Primark do some. No, don't just no. Um, <laughs> but genuinely, they're really, really comfortable and I was worried that it would be a bit gross and potentially, let's be honest, a little bit smelly. Totally fine all day. Okay. Oh, okay. I might try them too. Because sometimes, like, you just don't want to be shoving anything up there. Sometimes you just want to just relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's just it. I think the only thing I would be mindful of is like if you're. I mean, again, though, they do they do like different ones for different flows so might be totally fine but I just thought if I'm out all day I might take something just just be on the safe side Mm. you've sold it to me you know well feedback if I try yeah do do. okay great um Becca question hey so can acne be related to hypothalamic amenorrhea that's a good question actually (sighs) So potentially, yes, because of your hormonal fluctuations. A lot of the time, people's acne, especially localized acne around your mouth, chin, area, et cetera, can be related to hormonal changes. Um, And so if you're recovering from HA and your hormones are kind of fluctuating, then potentially, yes. I'd say also potentially, yes, too, in terms of micronutrient deficiencies, maybe. If you've been in an energy deficit for a long time, then potentially in that sense, too um although diet isn't a direct contributor to your skin having a varied micronutrient rich diet is useful um and can be supportive of of skin health but generally acne is not something that we can like it's not a personal responsibility thing of we can change um I would follow Anjali Mato on Instagram she's a dermatologist she talks a lot about acne because she has um, well, because it's a her job and she also has adult acne and um, she puts out a lot of useful stuff too that, that she's more informed on skin stuff than we are but I mean yeah it could potentially certainly be related for sure yeah um okay Denies question how do you move feelings of unworthiness to feelings of worth I've always felt like I've not been enough. And so my life has been a reflection of that. People pleasing, scared of judgment. I'm ready to face these feelings, but have no idea where to gather worth from. Hmm. That's that tough. tough. <laughs> yeah, that is tough. Because it's real deep rooted, you know, when you don't feel worthy. Um, like, obviously, when it is this deep rooted therapy is always a good good shout but where to start like and how you speak to yourself is a huge one um 
your level of self-compassion is probably quite low at the moment but if you're working with deny I'm sure you'll be working on all these things um yeah I don't know how what you guys would say to this but I would potentially start by acting in a way that someone with it or doing what they would do because yeah. it's not going to feel natural if you've never treated yourself that way but if you can think of a close friend or someone you know that or, or even it, not even someone that you know just think of what someone that truly believes in themselves would do how they would how they would act how they would speak to themselves and start small like that and it's one of those things isn't it the more you do it the more natural it then becomes mm-hmm. yeah I agree yeah it's exactly like that's exactly what I would have said to do so totally agree I think I think too trying to identify where those feelings of not enough come from because I mean like you were saying Becca therapy is is so good for this but it's similar to what we were saying earlier about your conditions of worth what what conditions have you developed over time that tell you that um direct you in terms of your feelings of worthiness what do you feel you have to do in order to be, to be worthy why do you feel like people pleasing is the right thing to make you feel worthy because people pleasing doesn't make you feel worthy but you've learned somewhere that that is a coping mechanism to make you feel like you are enough or that you are worthy so think back to like times earlier in your life where did you start people pleasing and, and why was that the case um and it might be for example if you were in an environment where your parents used to argue and so you would I'm just saying this because I was watching this is us last night and it was part of this is us if you don't watch this is us have any of you seen it no my sister is every time I, I see her she's like have you started yet have you started oh, yet it is one <laughs> of the most incredible series that I've ever watched it's very um vulnerable very um emotionally intelligent and emotionally aware and emotionally charged I don't cry at a lot of things on tv but I cry at almost every single episode of that it's just smashing anyway and so one of the situations weirdly was this last night where like the little boy was actually he was acting out in a way to try and get his parents to behave in a certain way and I think you may well have developed this way of people pleasing to try and keep the peace if your parents are arguing for example your job is to to make people chill out or to make people laugh that's why you see a lot of the time like comedians who are like oh yeah I'm funny on the outside but that's often developed from some sort of childhood experience where that was their role and that was their coping mechanism so really trying to get curious about it and, and and learning where it's come from doesn't cure anything but awareness is really good and then once you've got the awareness you can say oh, well is that actually true or is that this internal narrative that I'm trying to work against and then choosing a different way to behave is important yeah. and remembering that like every time you people please and you're putting someone else's needs before your own each time you're almost like validating that you're not enough every single time um mm. such a good point that that like that, that is such a good point every time you people please you're telling yourself that you're worth less than them mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> oh that one between that and you calling it selfish i would just <laughs> people well, pleasing is for losing <laughs> no. 
and we can say all these things as we do it right like we we certainly are like yeah we certainly are I can say oh I'm going to have this meeting with this person on tomorrow and I'm going to say all these things and then I get onto the meeting with them and I'm like so is that okay do you want me to change anything is that okay and then I get off a meeting and I'm like that's not what I planned to say at all but you, it's the automatic going oh but all you can do is say oh I can I'm aware of that so I'm going to take notes and so I make sure that I say these things or I don't know I'm going to bring my mum into the meeting with me whatever it is you're going to be in there <laughs> So are you this morning by any chance <laughs> my mom was actually behind the laptop in our meetings <laughs> Don't know yeah. If um yeah so I think I think that's important but I mean that's the that's the importance of too of being able to have these conversations because I know that when I have meetings with you guys you're 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 people pleasers you're more likely to say what I want to hear rather than what's necessarily true so I'm always like yeah. are, you, are you sure is that right and I'll always have the same conversation a couple of times because I'm like I need to know the truth here but then the vice versa I would be I would do the same to you so awareness is everything um okay uh, when it's time of the month how can you show yourself compassion when you want to eat more food and it's not always the most nutritious but also trying to stay in line with your fat loss goals and showing yourself that compassion to be aligned with those goals and not having a constant battle in your head of wanting to stick to it but also not wanting to oh monthly move that (laughs) I always say to clients like it's much better to have whatever you're looking to have whatever's on your mind in a like mindful way planned way almost than depriving yourself and then just pressing the fuck up button um but again like it depends obviously your goal is fat loss it depends how severe those urges are and the cravings are so it's kind of present dependent in that way but we know having the actual food and moving on is much better than fighting it fighting it fighting it and then completely blowing blowing the top of it <laughs> yeah and I think accepting like yeah. having, having a boost bar is not going to stop you losing body fat exactly like if you've got a creep it might make you go over your macros but realistically is that going to stop your fat loss absolutely not what stops your fat loss is then having the boost bar and being like well i've done it now i may as well have another four boosts that's what stops your fat loss so i think keeping perspective in that sense is really important and then i also think remember what compassion is compassion is kind self-kindness and taking action in line with what your future self will thank you for and compassion during fat loss even if you're craving chocolate if your fat loss is your most important goal then not having the chocolate might be the most compassionate thing you can do because compassion isn't taking easy on yourself it's saying what will my future self thank me for and look if you're going to be craving chocolate for the next 24 hours and it's distracting you from your work or your life then your future self will thank you for just having the chocolate and moving on it really will but if you are if you've got like you're you're really focused on your fat loss and that is the most important thing then your future self might thank you for not having it so no one can really tell you do x or y but what you might do is have a higher calorie intake target intake for that week so that you have a couple of hundred extra calories because your bmr might be slightly higher anyway and allow yourself that chocolate bar or whatever it is and again just keeping in perspective it doesn't realistically to your overall fat loss journey in your whole life does it really matter if you boost every day for five days it really really doesn't 
it really doesn't you've got another three and a half weeks where you're not bleeding or feeling like you want to die where you can push it a little bit harder although sometimes you when you actually like quantify it and you're like well I spend four to five days bleeding but then I spend four to five days with PMS and raging and then like sometimes you're in ovulation I get ovulation pain and I cramp for like a day and then when you actually quantify it, you're like oh, Jesus Christ <laughs> hemorrhage and all the time <laughs> oh so yeah um is it Becca Becca question Okay, so after eating my main meals, which contain protein, carbs, and fat, how do I control the strong craving for sugar or sweetness? There's a second part, so I'll just leave it there for now, and then I'll continue. I'm sorry, I really missed the first part of that question, and I was listening. Okay. <laughs> I looked at your face, and I was like, looking at you, and I was like, she looks quite blank. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I know that you... Know, you know when you hear the words, and you're like... It's not making a sentence. Okay. I'll try again. After eating my main meals, which contain protein, carbs, and fat, how do I control the strong craving for sugar or sweetness that comes after? Yeah. There's, uh, we've definitely talked about this before, and there's fundamentally nothing wrong with wanting something sweet after your meal. After. But what I would say is you are hitting all your macros in that meal. Great, fantastic, really important. But is that meal truly like hitting satisfaction? Because mm. if you're truly satisfied, then you might not necessarily get that in, that need for something straight after. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, I could eat, a whole giant family size stir fry for dinner and some corn pieces and be stomach full and be like that was like a that was a large dinner but it's got no it's no fat in it but well barely any fat in it apart from the cooking oil and there's no like not a lot of texture to it other than vegetables or corn um each mouth will pretty much taste the same after it I'm generally always going to be like hmm what else have I got I was gonna say in the pantry I don't have a pantry I don't live in the states um but if I had something that was like half of those vegetables and egg fried rice which I used to have with it oh that was great then um my my feelings for want to have something after it would be massively reduced none of those options are right or wrong but if you're not fully satiated from your meals it's likely that you're probably are going to be a bit like mm, what else can I have and I mean you can change your meals up. You can say, right, well, if I still want something in half an hour, I'm going to have it. You can get yourself some hot chocolate and have like a hot chocolate after your dinner or a cup of tea after your dinner. Um, it depends on like what journey you're on and, and what your goals are, because someone who's looking for fat loss, their, their answer to this is going to be different from someone who's looking to gain weight or from someone who's just trying to improve their relationship with food. So think about what is it that I'm trying to do? What's important to me? And where do what? what option do I think in this is is better yeah and the second part was just is this a normal thing to happen because I've had this problem since my disordered eating it's not a problem yeah. I'd say that it's not a problem of course it, it it's normal to sometimes fancy something sweet and it's normal to not feel satiated after your meals if you if you if the taste is not great or you've not been super like that mindful 
when you're eating it that's another thing that we hadn't really touched on if you've got all the macros in there like is it of sufficient quantity and um, and again yeah taste is is so super important but but i think we're so primed to pathologize stuff it's like this is something wrong and it's um you know we've been laughing about people saying is this normal and is this normal because we all just want to know that we're normal and if it's normal for you then it's normal you know it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it obviously there are some things that we would say that's probably not healthy but in that sense wanting something a little bit sweet after eating is fine also also none of us have actually said you could also just have something sweet after eating which is also a point it doesn't have to be hot chocolate it could be oh i rediscovered recently um this i don't think you guys have done this before but you never know where you put dark two squares of dark chocolate i put them in a protein scooper because it's in the perfect size and then you put them in the microwave and then you kind of almost burn it and the the dark chocolate turns into like brownie ah it's so good and you just heat it up with a spoon yeah it's so good just to set you don't get obviously a lot it's like what i'm just i'm just thinking i have many a time burnt chocolate not 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 on purpose but but and it oh it's so good dark chocolate and then you just eat it with a wee teaspoon after like a meal or something well not even if you just fancy some some chocolate it's so good the chocolate no no it's it's better when you burn it a little bit it's like because most of it melts but then there's most of it melts but then a little bit of it goes kind of burnt and chewy oh I discovered it when I used to compete obviously when I was gonna say this this is like a prep pack it is right (laughs) I had two squares of chocolate a day and it was like oh this is amazing I'm gonna eat chocolate every day and I set the fire alarm off in my PhD office because I burnt it too much but I just it's one of the prep hacks that now I still genuinely rate that and cucumber with sweet now I knew you were gonna say that (laughs) I know I hate myself for it but I really like it I've not had it in a long time I can try this and I don't even want to advocate it because it does sound very disordered but Honestly, I really enjoy the taste. I just don't really do it. Try it. I know. Okay, but look, we don't judge in this place. We don't <laughs> judge. What about the egg whites in porridge oats? Did you try that when you were? Oh, yeah. I tried it. Got it so wrong. Me too. Did it taste like scrambled egg and oats? Yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah, and then one of my friends was like, "Oh no, if you want it like oats, do it, do it this way," or obviously absolute breakthrough with the the bro bodybuilder that I was with she was like you can make it into a pancake I was like wow <laughs> um, yeah I think it is better than the courgette courgette oats ooh. Ooh, courgette oats I refuse to believe that you don't taste the courgette when you're eating them you do taste the courgette and you taste the egg and if you have egg and courgette in your oats ooh. <laughs> again no judgment for anyone that genuinely enjoys this just personal circumstance I just think and uh, there's just nah I'm not bored but then I eat cucumber and sweetener so probably be yeah, you can't you can't make a comment I know. <laughs> time. okay um next question hello I've struggled with body pain since I was a teenager I'm pro- approximately 25 years now it's hard to explain the type of pain except to say that it feels like it feels like a strong ache that affects every part of my body. 
The feeling reaches the tips of my toes and fingers right up to my very scalp. There is no part of me that does not feel pain during this phase. It usually lasts around five to seven days, then gradually fades. Last week, I struggled in a big way and felt exhausted from lack of sleep or feeling at ease in my body and decided enough was enough. The questions are, one, I know you are not medical doctors, but just wondering if you have ever heard of anything like this. I have a kinesiology or what this says is kinesiology appointment this week. Uh, And I plan to make another appointment with my GP. My thoughts are that going with possible queries that involves me asking them if they can directly test for something that might help them to think outside of the box and test for things they haven't previously. Um, Two, can you suggest any supplements that might help? And three, can you suggest any other professional areas I could look at for help? I mean, we're obviously not doctors, um, as you said. I mean, I am, but the Ross Geller type, not the actual useful type. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing I would... she says or he said it's lasted for this whole time what I would say is that chronic pain is so often underdiagnosed because sometimes there are no like quantifiable symptoms and I've got a lot of friends who in their 30s were diagnosed with fibromyalgia MS one of my friends is currently undergoing um, investigation for lupus and especially women in their 30s women in their 30s seem to be a key demographic when these types of things are diagnosed I don't know obviously who who asked this question um and it's potentially they think that there may be some roots in like so there's autoimmune diseases obviously but also potentially sometimes related to suppression of emotions and psychological suppression which it's associated with disordered eating, but it's also potentially associated with long-term chronic pain that, again, tends to surface more so as women get older, and men, um, but more so women as they get older. But it's very hard to say what it could be other, like you need to speak to a doctor, but I would look at those types of autoimmune diseases and, and chronic pain conditions and look at, like, can you relate to any of, of the other symptoms? And if you know the names of them and take notes of them, then going into your doctor and saying, I'm, I'm wondering if it could be related to this. And I know that, for example, fibro, there's no specific test for it, but my friend and my friend had to self-advocate for quite a long time before getting any sort of diagnosis. But it is this type of thing where she can get bouts of pain for about a week and be exhausted and then feel okay again for a while. And a lot of the work that you need to do to manage that is self-management. Um, I'm really mindful of kind of diagnosing or saying anything when we don't know really anything about it. And same with supplements. Until you know what it is, you can't really say anything about managing it, either with food, nutrition, food, nutrition, food or exercise or supplements. Say one thing you can probably guarantee is that sleep and rest and recovery is going to be super important. I would also guarantee that a Mediterranean style diet is probably going to be really important with lots of essential fat and micronutrients um, and fiber. Those are the things that generally you can say they're probably a good idea. But other than that, we're probably kind of limited. Yeah, I think self-advocate, like, you know, keep on going until you feel like you're heard and listened to as well. Because just because one person says, oh, there's no reason for this and to carry on 
like that doesn't mean that's fact so keep going with with something if you don't feel like it's it's right agree yeah um do you have any suggestions on filling a habitual dopamine hit in the evenings or any questions I maybe could be journaling through to help tackle this mindset? Okay. Masturbation. There you go. <laughs> sure. Um, I would look at why you need, you feel that you need a dopamine hit in the evening. Like, what's happening in the evening do you feel bored so do you want to maybe find a passion or a hobby do you feel disconnected so do you want to work on building some relationships or strengthening some relationships or being more yourself in the relationships that you do have do you just need a better tv show and i let me recommend this as us like think about what it is like why you feel you need it. you don't need a dopamine hit it's not that you need a dopamine hit I think that's kind of an easy way to word it or frame it but really you're you're missing something but rather than trying to kind of just feel happier think about what it is that you are maybe not allowing yourself to feel mm. um yeah 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 like Amelia said keep log of your what's triggering you so journaling around that time but also look at what you're doing throughout the day is there something to do with the physiological response of not having enough food or are you being restrictive throughout the day so is that element of it too it mm. may not be the dopamine hit mm, absolutely um yes um is it me no it's not <laughs> you <laughs> i was like it's me already uh, okay go for it okay Call me if I have asked this one already because I'm not 100% sure. Me and my partner are at different stages of our fitness journey. Whilst I'm getting into the swing of things and he's getting better and getting better day by day, he is kind of falling out of love with the process. No? Um, are there any tips you could give on this topic? I want to show support, but no, I need to set boundaries and also shop for myself. Mm. So is it that they've they've got different goals, sorry? Yeah. So um I'll just read the first part again because I probably <laughs> I was listening. I was ah, pay attention. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> focus. Me and my partner are, are at different stages of our fitness journey. Whilst I'm getting to the swing of the things and he and getting better day, day by day, he is kind of falling out of love with the process. Are there any tips you could give on this topic? I want to show support, but no, I need to set boundaries and also show up for myself. I wonder if there's things that you can do together that both align with your goals, but also keep him focused on his. Because it doesn't need to be that you do things completely separately, even when you are working towards different things. Like, can you still cook your meals together and 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 he just has what he needs to and you have what you need to but fundamentally they're the same thing or activity wise are there things that you could do um I mean I'm, I'm not making an assumption here but if you're working with Becca maybe a gentle walk is is more in line with your goal 
but that's also going to help him keep his expenditure up that sort of thing so you still are doing your own things but keeping that connection mm. yeah I agree and I also think it's not your responsibility to kind of make him feel better because you're doing well on your goals and he's maybe struggling a little bit you're allowed to have goals and a part a passion that he maybe maybe doesn't have and it's amazing that you have that and you've kind of enveloped this into your life and this will be with you forever and it a might not be the right time for him b you did say him didn't you maybe not mm -hmm. yeah. yeah might not be the right time for him um or like he it's he might not ever want to do it and that's that's totally okay or he is just doing something that doesn't fit in with his lifestyle. It might not be the right type of stuff that he's doing. Um, what's really important is for you to say, that's for him to choose. What I choose is still what supports me and, and continuing to work on things that support you, even though he might not be doing it for himself. Um, so I think just kind of, it's not really a practical tip, but just accepting that you you it's not your job to motivate him and don't feel frustrated because you maybe can't motivate him to do certain things um definitely try those things that Anna was saying in terms of connecting and, and seeing what you can do together um but also just be patient this might not be the right time for him and and you can still do everything that's important to you without him doing everything that's important to him which might be useless advice because I'm basically saying just crack on and leave and be. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that. Um, see what you can obviously share, um, but know that you like don't. What what I obviously don't like, and it's not this situation, is when we as people, not necessarily women, keep ourselves small to try and make our someone else feel better because they're not achieving what they want to achieve. And it's, it's more so a women's thing where we try, like we don't want to be too much and we want to be selfless and we don't want to make anyone else feel bad. And it's actually one of the reasons why I, I've certainly seen it in clients. One of the reasons why people hold themselves back because they're scared to make their partner feel insecure that they're not achieving what they want to do. So I'd just be very super mindful of that. Okay. Um. George's question. Is there any way I can go through this process and try to avoid significant weight gain for health reasons? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I think so many people worry that in the process of healing their relationship with food, they're going to put on weight, but it's not a... It's not a given. Mm -hmm. Some people might. I agree. I think there's just, I don't know what's happened in the last year, but it's like this shift of people thinking that like people come and work with us and, and it's like a weight gain thing or people work on the relationship with food and it's a weight gain thing. For some people, it might be a weight gain thing. For some people, it might be beneficial. But in this specific person, they're saying, if they're gaining weight, it would be bad for my health. And we definitely recognize that. And I think there's always, there's always got to be, we are always cognizant of the impacts of excess body fat on your health. We are, we're nutritionists and we're personal trainers. We know the impact of excess body fat on your health. What we have to do is we are, okay, well, is this a temporary thing? So if you do gain a little bit of weight, 
this is a temporary thing so that long term you can then a have a better relationship with food first and foremost two have a healthier happier um like healthful outcome and third it might be to then lose fat again i sometimes think looking at the the alternative of like well what is the alternative here can you genuinely lose body fat right now could you lose body fat right now with your relationship with food the way that it is for some people if it's just slight disordered eating habits you can still go into a fat loss phase whilst doing all of the other work and and successfully lose body fat now we don't do that if you're somebody who's maybe regularly overeating because that hunger exacerbates that cycle and so we want to get all of that under like kind of i say control like healthful control first and then if fat loss is the right thing then you can do that um but when you're working on your relationship with food even if you're not tracking you can still make choices like i'm going to have lean meat instead of fatty meat um and I know we talk a lot about things like, well, 5% yogurt is more delicious than 0%. But if you're in a larger body, you're, you're, the amount of calories that you need to sustain your body weight will be slightly higher than someone who's in a smaller body. And you'd probably be surprised when you're making general choices that are in line with your health, how few, not how few calories, but if you're doing that regularly, how relatively few calories that is compared to when you were maybe overeating. You think that eating regularly is increasing your calorie intake, but it's not. Not if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to have a couple of portions of fruit and vegetables with each meal. I'm going to have a lean protein source three or four times a day. I'm going to make sure that I'm well hydrated. I'm going to fill my plate with lots of colors and, and volume. It's very difficult to eat in a surplus if you're if say your say your calorie maintenance is two and a half thousand calories, it's quite difficult to then eat in a surplus if you're following all of those guidelines um, and eating regularly. So it can happen, especially if you're still doing that, but sometimes still overeating initially until that overeating's gone away. It can happen, but our purpose or the purpose of this is not to put you into calorie surplus it's to stop you from regularly being in the calorie surplus with overeating and then manage whatever the next thing is to come but it's super important to recognize that we are very cognizant of the impact of body fat on your health or excess body fat on your health but we have to think of like the short term and then the long term okay well let's do one more question Anna going to pass over to becca because i don't have short questions okay um okay are you listening i am i am (laughs) (laughs) how to get better at being bad at things at the start i dropped out of uni after convincing myself i wasn't smart enough now i'm telling myself i'm not outgoing enough to be a pt my my point will just jump in is what's your option if you don't let yourself be bad at this you're never going to do it why do you feel like you have to be good at everything hello perfectionist this might be you um who knows and what was i saying at the beginning the beginning is dudes being scared to do something that out of their comfort zone because they're scared they're going to fail therefore they don't achieve it you can do that if you want that's your choice but i would say that you probably would be a lot happier and a lot better off thinking well if I, who cares if i bugger up my first year of pt long term 
I'm going to learn the stuff that's important in order to me to, for me to get better. If you saw some of the stuff that I would used to do when I PT'd, you'd be like, oh. <laughs> I was just thinking the same. I was like, ah. <laughs> exactly. Or if you saw when I used to do presentations during my PhD and I would sweat through my clothes and my voice would be quaky and my supervisor would be like, well, you got through it. Like <laughs> you have to do these things in order to get to where you want to be. You don't really have a choice. So it's kind of like, feeling never feels comfortable but do something wrong I'm not doing stuff wrong and I'd be like woohoo like but you go but you get to the point where you go or oh, accept that that was that was a foolish thing or accept that I wasn't very good at that um what can I learn from it and what will I do differently next time what changes can I make and then you reframe it from a bad situation to this is actually a good situation because I won't do that again or I'll do it better next time. And that's really exciting to know that eventually you'll get to the point where you go into a PT session and you're like having great banter with someone and you're making their day. Surely that is excitement enough to go, oh, it's going to be in this really awkward situation for a while because I feel really introverted and shy and I don't really want to talk to anyone. To get through that to the end goal of like, you know what you want to do at the end goal and you know why that's important. It's a really exciting journey. Or you can just not do any of it. But I know which outcome I would rather have. I think, and I mean, I'm very much relating. I've held back from doing a lot of things because you fear that you're going to fail, mess up, be awful. But now I think I would rather feel all of those things, potentially mess up than sit with the idea of never knowing having not tried mm, definitely I can remember in EIQ I don't know was it Emma or Amelia said like your first life's not going to be great your first podcast not going to be great you just kind of have to just get over it and do it mm-hmm. and I remember thinking I don't want to do it if it's not going to be great <laughs> you have to just yeah, yeah. And, and also don't you think it's a little bit egotistical to think that we can just come on and just do something great straight away like I think about like other people's podcasts who've been running podcasts for years and then we started ours we've only been doing this podcast really just over a year properly and I was like oh I would like it to be better I'd like it to be better and I'm like why should I get to have how many people listen to this podcast why should we feel like we know exactly how to run it when other people have been doing it for two years they deserve to have more people listen they deserve to be having a smoother thing and it's like who do I think I am coming in and being like I should get to do it without having to do any of that crap first like sorry but it's a mandatory part it's like puberty you kind of just have to go through it and it's uncomfortable and it's sweaty and it's not fun but so not just puberty but just all the uncomfortableness like so sweaty (laughs) i think when everybody all all the coaches have joined the podcast and they're like sweating so hard with us like yep we still do (laughs) exactly exactly um okay great just about not not to get off my table there thanks for your questions everyone keep them coming in thank you becca thank you anna thanks everyone Bye. Bye. thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me then you can find details of my instagram in the show notes